Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker, All the Games. We start off 2024 with episode 42, which is, interestingly enough, 24 transposed for all of us poker player number nerds, where we will discuss Matrix, another poker variant in common with a movie title for those who listened to episode 37, Squid Game. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the Northeast of the United States, along with co-host Martin, who joins us from Malta. Martin and I have a few things in common. We enjoy mixed poker games. Each of us has written a book on mixed game poker, and we also enjoy trying new beers. So you'll be hearing something about all of these topics in each episode. We'll begin by starting off today's episode as we do each one with Martin and I reviewing a beer. So sit back, grab a drink, as long as you're not driving, and enjoy our beer review and subsequent discussion of mixed poker games. So today, I will be talking about a beer other than what I currently have in my glass. So I'll be reading this one from my tasting notes. The beer I'm going to review is called Vorka Strong. It's a European strong lager from Vorka Brewery in Poland. I had this one at a brewery uh, in South Jersey, Southern New Jersey, in the U.S., uh, outside of Atlantic City. There's a Polish bar that has a restaurant that has uh, Polish and a lot of Polish and Ukrainian beers. So that's where I had this one from, and that's where my tasting notes are from. So as far as the smell and aroma, this beer had an aroma of sweet malt and honey. It was clearly a lager beer smell from the yeast, and that's not in a bad way, but just very typical for the style. Maybe a tinge of molasses in the aroma. And those sweet notes, as, as you're understanding my description here, as you're hearing it, there were, were a number of sweet notes, and a lot of those are likely coming from the combination of the malts. Um, this one is made up from a mix of a, a light malt, a light Pilsner malt, and a sort of dark toasted malt, which we're going to go into. Let's have a look. This beer poured a clear, dark amber, and that comes from uh, that dark toasted malt uh, that amber color. It had a touch of beer foam that settled out rather quickly. And now for the best part, the taste. This wasn't exactly what I was expecting. The bartender kind of mentioned to me that this was a dark lager. So I wasn't expecting this sort of amber color of it. I was expecting almost a porter um, color coming out. So while it wasn't what I was expecting, um, it was exactly on point for a European strong lager. It had a medium to light mouthfeel, average carbonation, um, definitely that sweetness coming through the taste that I got in the aroma with a touch of sort of nutty maltiness, and then a, just, a, just a tinge of bitterness that came in at the end of each swallow. That lager beer taste that I got comes from the yeast and is prominent alongside the sweetness of the malt, 
which made for a European strong lager designed pretty much to style. Vorka's strong lager comes in at 6.3% ABV. And overall, I say this is a classic example of a European strong lager. While I reminisce about that beer and drink what I have in hand now, Martin, why don't you describe what beer you'll be sipping on for this episode? Of course. I'm drinking, um, I'm pouring at the moment, a beer from a craft brewery in Malta, the Husky Craft Beer Company in this in Rendi in southern Malta. This beer is an oak-aged pale ale, um, apparently aged using harshly cut oak chips from oak chips from whiskey barrels and it's 4.6% ABV. Um, the bottle was a bit live when I opened it just now, so we've got a bit of a mess around the desk that I'm sitting behind. Um, okay, pouring it out, it's uh, this is also very much a, actually a pinky amber color, yeah. Smell is reminiscent of uh, a pale ale, but I, I do detect a hint of a whiskey smell to it there. Okay, let's have a let's have a taste. Yeah, that's that's definitely a pale ale, and the the aftertaste is where that you you can detect a little bit of a whiskey taste to it. It's a little bit smoky, I would say. Um, I don't know. There's no specification of what whiskey barrels are used, but it feels a little bit like a um, sort of a peaty, smoky flavour to it. Uh, that's just that's just with the aftertaste. That's that's a nice nice little craft beer. Anyway, cheers, Sean. It sounds salute, Martin. It's when you were going through the tasting, I could almost I could envision you trying to get through the the foam because um, you said it was very lively, and hopefully hopefully you yes. didn't get any on the uh, computer there. <laughs> yeah, the computer's clean, thank you. Um, but yes, you're right. I didn't describe that. There is quite a head of foam there. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a nice beer. It was very lively when I opened it up, and uh, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. So, but thankfully, <laughs> yeah, yeah. thankfully, there's a bit of distance between where I opened it and the computer, so we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> Everything's going to work. <laughs> All right, enjoy. Yeah, we'll do. <laughs> Remember that our focus here is non-holdem poker specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and or those looking to try different variations of poker, whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager. We define the rules, the play, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. You can consider this Sean and Martin's rules of mixed poker games. Today's episode will be covering Matrix. I don't actually know this game, but I do have a feeling it involves cards being spread in multiple directions as opposed to a straight line like in Double Board Omaha. So Martin, why don't you walk us through the play, deal, and rules of Matrix? Yeah, of course. Now, this is a variant of Omaha High-Low Eta Beta, and as you suggested, that the board... Well, so you end up with actually eight boards because you 
are going to you're going to see three by three matrix on the board, hence the name matrix. Um, the cards are not all revealed all at once; they're revealed in a very specific order. But in in the end, we end up with three rows of three community cards in the middle of the table, and the hand will be formed. The high, there'll be one high pot, one low pot formed using two cards from the player's hand and any one of the eight boards, that is three that are horizontal, three that are vertical, and two that are diagonal. It's it's a familiar-looking matrix to people from Europe that played, um, as a child, maybe played noughts and crosses, which I think in the USA might be known as tic-tac-toe. So three along the top, three along the middle, and three along the bottom. Anyway, let, let's go through the uh, the way the game's now dealt. Go through now how the game is dealt and played. It can be played either fixed limit or pot limit, and I think it's fine to play either. If you want to play, dear listener, in your home game, if you intend to play it pot limit, maybe play it fixed limit in the first instance just to get used to the process. Um, personally, I prefer pot limit. Maybe maybe that's a European thing, but. Uh, I like to play this game pot limit. The game starts with the players to the left of the dealer button, both posting blinds. Then the dealer will deal five cards to each player, one at a time in a clockwise fashion, starting with the person to the left of the dealer button. Before anything else happens, the dealer also then puts out the nine community cards out in the middle of the table, but all face down at this stage. So this is a three by three grid or matrix. Once that's completed, the betting round takes place, starting with the person to the left of the big blind. And then once that betting round is completed, the next thing that happens is the dealer will expose three cards in one corner. So that's the maybe top left-hand card and the two cards immediately adjacent to it, one below and one to its right. Um... This is then followed by another betting round. And after that, the opposite corner is exposed. So if we started with the top left-hand corner, as, as the example I just gave, the next corner exposed is the bottom right-hand corner. So that's the extreme bottom right-hand card, the card to its left, and the card immediately above it. There's another betting round. And finally, in terms of exposing cards, the three cards diagonally across the middle that are left still face down and now exposed. So now all nine cards are exposed and there's a final betting round. And it's showdown. As I said before, there's one high pot and there's possibly one low pot. The high pot, um, using standard poker hand rankings, formed using two cards from the five in the player's hand with any one of the eight boards. That's the three horizontal boards, the three vertical boards and the three, sorry, the two diagonal boards, but it's the best high hand that wins that half of the pot. The low pot is formed, again, using two from the hand and any one of those eight boards, but again, it's Omaha high low, eight or better, so you need to make an eight, a, a five-card hand with five Sorry, yes, a five-card program with five cards that are eight or lower 
unpaired, using two from your hand and three from any one straight line. Um, it's not always the case that there is a low because there has to be, have to be three perfect cards in a row. In a standard Omaha high-low game, you're choosing three from five community cards, whereas here, there have, you have to have three cards in a, in a straight line that are all unpaired and lower than, well, eight or lower in order to form a low hand. And then the hand, the player's hand has to have two cards that uh, work with that to make a qualifying low hand. Okay. Sean, I'm going to pass over to you for any questions now. Okay. Yeah, this, there's a lot to this one. Let's, let's unpack this a little bit here. So there is or is not a burn card before the dealer deals um, the, the nine cards face down oh, to start. Didn't mention that. There's actually no need to to make to use a burn card because a burn card's there. The burn card is used when the deck's been at rest and the, and and some cards need to be exposed. Like for example, when you're dealing a standard game of Omaha High Low, um, and you've dealt everybody the, everybody their hand. And the pre-flop betting round goes takes place. Following that, you obviously the de the dealer's been sitting there with the deck at rest in their hand. The top card, if there's any way that card is marked, and you use that card, then the player that, that knows the mark, the player or players that know the mark, will know that card's coming. That's why a burn card is used. So the burn card is not necessary here. Because the deck's not at rest, you, the the players get their five cards, and immediately the nine cards are placed face down. I guess actually, if there is any marked card amongst those nine, the player's going to know, and that is a a downside to this, I suppose. But really, you, you hope to be playing with an unmarked deck. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, I just wanted to make sure everybody understood that, you know, we didn't forget to say there wasn't a burn card. There just isn't one um, yeah, for those no trying way. to learn the game. And yeah, you bring up a good point that all nine are, of those cards in this, you know, in the matrix are face down. So the backings are showing. So if there, if there is a marked card, um, it would be visible. But the other side of that coin is that if there is, everybody has an opportunity to very clearly see it and point it out before you get too far. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So mm. interesting. And I think when you mentioned the tic-tac-toe reference, that definitely helped me visualize a lot, I, um, the game. And I think that'll help a lot of folks understand, you know, how the cards are laid out. Um, like you said, a, a lot of us had grown up playing some version of, of tic-tac-toe. Or uh, yeah. do you call it knots and bows? Knots not, and crosses. Knots and cross, knots and crosses. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Zeros, right? Knots. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it is a, a high-low game with an eight or better qualifier, right? Yes, that's right. Okay. And so, yeah, the last three cards to be exposed will be a diag in a diagonal. Is, is that right? That is right. Yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot. And, and each last thing, last question of confirmation, each player is dealt five cards in their hand as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if, if you play shorthanded, sometimes 
the player that calls this game will want to play six, with six cards, but generally five cards is, uh, I, I think, um, it, it's a better way to play Omaha High Low or any Omaha games. I, I think. Uh, I, I agree. Six six cards just means that somebody's got the nuts all with all the time. So, um, yeah. yes, yeah. Go so fine. yeah. It, yeah, the the most interesting, I mean, there's a lot here between the eight boards, the five cards in your hand, using two, only two out of your hand, using three, which have to be, as you mentioned, in a, in a line, you know, uh, lined up, whether it be up, up, down, left, right, or diagonal, um, as opposed to that's one difference from Omaha, as you stated, where there's five, you get to use 60% of it. So, you know, you have a lot of choices in that aspect. Mm -hmm. So there's, a, there's really a lot to think about between the three board, the eight boards using three in a row, two from your hand, high and low. And you're not, you don't get to see, you know, the last call, you know, you have all the boards exposed, but you know, except for the last card there, which <laughs> could change every, you know, it's like the river card. It changes a lot. Yeah, it does. Bear in mind that diagonal strip that is eventually exposed when the last cards are exposed. That strip of three cards actually completes all eight boards. None of the boards are completed until those three are open. So uh, no matter how strong your draw, you feel your draws are, those three cards could completely wreck, you, wreck your hand. And you know, and no I matter how how strong your mate hand feels, those three cards can bring all bring all the draws in. You know, it can go either way. So it's quite a fun game from that point of view as well. Yeah, and I find that fascinating. And that's what I was kind of alluding to. I just I was trying to think through it as I was talking. If that was true, thinking of how you described this, I'm glad you confirmed that that those last three cards complete the boards and none are complete before that it's you know a lot of it is like it reminds me in that aspect a little bit of seven card stud you know you're you're you may be waiting for that last card good bad or otherwise i'm not going to say this is a good strategy but you may be waiting <laughs> for that last card to, to to hit your straight or flush or, or fill you up i think that's it as far as questions um do you have some beginner's tips uh, for matrix to get us started I can't claim to be an expert in this game, even though it's been quite popular in recent months in our mixed games, home games here in Malta. Uh, every time we play, it's called at least two or three times over the course of the evening, probably more than any other game right now. Um, but nevertheless, one thing I would say is, to start this off is don't be the mug who gets to the river, sees all nine cards out there, and doesn't read all eight boards, which I've been the mug myself once or twice and not seen that there's a paired board out there, not seen that there's a possible low out there. Those are the things that can uh, that can that can catch you out. Um, I mean, it's quite easy to see the horizontal boards in particular. The vertical boards are fairly easily to see and the diagonal boards, but probably the one that is exposed altogether at the end is the easiest to see. Don't forget to look at the other one. But yeah, it is quite easy to think, okay, my nut flush came in. I'm good. Let's go. And then you realize when somebody 
turns the hand over after they've uh, repotted and you've called, they've actually hit the paired board that you didn't see. They've hit a full house. As for more tips, I would say if you can get to see, if you can get into the um, start where the cards start to be exposed without having to pay too much, so you're not playing with players that have taken aggressive lines This in the very early stages, don't be so quick to throw away the pairs that you don't normally, you don't always want to play when you play in Omaha High Low like nines and tens, because if you turn over, if your set is turned over, you're quite often good already. And the reason why we don't play those cards so much when we play in Omaha high-low is that you are rarely going to scoop with a hand that contains cards like that. But in this game, the low doesn't come out as often as it does in the um, standard game. Because the three low cards that are perfectly able to make a low in one line, that's rare compared to three from five in the standard game, if you understand what I mean. Um, yeah, another one related to the first point is you can think you have the nut low we, we we talked about Omaha High Low best best a few episodes ago. I can't remember what what number that was. In that case, I think I talked about the fact that you can think you have the nut low, but somebody else's low is better than yours. You have ace two, and there's an eight six five on one board, but somebody else's two three has connected with another board where there's a seven four ace. That is more the case here. You really need to be looking at the boards. If there's more than one low board, you need to be considering which is the nut low. Yours, which is the nuts on one board, or can it be beaten by the other board? And it's generally the board with the lowest high card that dictates which is the which which is going to be the nut low. So for example, if there's a board that comprises six five three, then ace two is the low on that board, and another board with five two ace three four is the nut low on that board and the nut low altogether. So board reading is really important in this game. Yeah, I think that's probably the most important tip um, that you stated right there. Re reading the board, I know. A lot of folks, including myself, can have trouble trying to figure out, you know, just on a single board Omaha um, game, trying to figure out all the possibilities. Um, you know, somebody turns over their four card hand sort of without saying what they have. And you're trying to quickly read, you know, especially from a dealer perspective, trying to read multiple hands with the board. So, yeah, reading the boards is, I think, of utmost importance. You know, you're, you're worried about your hand, you know, kind of, as you said, but you got to be thinking about what other people might have. And uh, I think that's a, that in and of itself is a huge tip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just remembered another tip I meant, I meant to bring up, which is uh, a different one to, to completely different one to the ones I've been talking about. If you do flop strong in the uh, early parts, early, early streets of this game, you need to be aggressive because the, the, the boards can 
change late in the hand. You need to try to drive out hands that are going to be able to beat you in a hidden way. Um, so if you flop that set of nines or tens, don't be slow playing. Get some chips in the pot. Make people pay to beat you, I would say. So I know you don't have a lot of experience. I, I doubt anyone has much experience, <laughs> too much experience playing this game. So in the little, in, you know, in your experience or in, what you think about the game, do you think more people make it sort of to the river, as we would call it, than in some some other variants, you know, like like Omaha or, or No Limit Hold'em, for example, do more, more people continue on or um, not? I mean, I only played uh, just a few days ago. I only played in a home game, and we've played quite a few hands of this game. It's very rare for the hand not to go to showdown. And yeah, quite often it is heads up, but probably more often than in the standard game of Omaha High-Low, you do get three or even four players going to showdown. Depends how aggressive the players are. When, when they flop strong hands, and uh, I guess it depends how sticky pl other players are when, they, when they're chasing the draws. Yeah, and that brings up something uh, that I should have mentioned earlier, which is, oh my gosh, now I had a brain, I had a brain fart. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I should have just not said I was supposed to bring it up earlier. But uh, how, so, how strong is that beer that you reviewed? That yeah, yes, yes, yes. It, it, it is called Vorka Strong. So, <laughs> I'm probably going to have to say what I wanted to say all the way. Now I'm embarrassed and I'm never going to remember. But um, just a, yeah, it's a, here it is. It came to me as a point of clarity. It is just a split pot game with one low winner if there is a low and one high winner, right? There's not winners on multiple boards. Um, it's just a one one yeah. board high winner. That, the highest it does correct, yeah. yeah. There's, the, there's the best high and the best low. Best overall high, best overall low from yeah. uh, those eight boards. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, remember though, the, uh, yours is weak. You said yours was only four point something. Is that correct? The beer you're drinking? Yeah, four point six percent. It's definitely on the lower end of the spectrum compared to most of the beers that we review on this podcast. Yes, recall, I'm not drinking the one I described. I do have a different one. <laughs> Fear not, everyone. I still am drinking during this episode, just not the one I described. Um, all right. Sounds good. Uh, like we've got some, you know, a couple of tips and I think those are, uh, you know, wonderful just to, to get started in the game. So if anybody plays this or have, has any experience or any additional tips, uh, reach out, let us know, respond, uh, you know, when we post the, uh, the Twitter feed, respond to us on there, let us know, uh, what you think of this game or uh, if you have any uh, additional tips for the listeners. All right, yeah, let's uh, move into some mixed game news. So I just I have one thing that I kind of want to bring up coming in. You know, this is almost like a, a resolution, New Year's resolution, but it seems to really be coming true. And that is there are just more and more mixed games that I'm seeing, both cash and tournaments with cash games. As you'll hear when um, we go over the mixed game events coming up, you'll hear me with just going on for a bit about mixed cash games popping up in, in casinos around the United States both at low and higher stakes and more tournament operators are also incorporating mixed events 
into what has largely been hold'em schedules. So some are very sparse, you know, but at least they're sort of mixing a couple in here and there. And I do have to give some credit to uh, the Moneymaker Tour for, in my opinion, putting a spotlight on some mixed game events in their tournament series. They usually have a few, and uh, I think some other operators are following suit, as you'll hear when I go over the events here shortly. Um, the Borgata has some, and that's sort of in my backyard, uh, but I'll go over that shortly. But I just wanted to bring that up. There seem to be more and more mixed games. Uh, Martin, I don't know how much you're seeing of that, but uh, seems to be sort of up and coming, and I think some more operators are going to be jumping on this on this bandwagon of starting to add more mixed games as they see the popularity increase, hopefully at least in part to this podcast um, and, and some others that are out there. Over the last, over 2023, it, the uh, number of festivals that are, I guess, mostly aimed at Holden players that have added not only mixed games, but multiple mixed games tournaments to their festival schedules is uh, really encouraging cash games uh i don't know of a lot in europe at the moment but um i'm hoping that's going to start to become a, a thing as well a, 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 a bit of a an established uh, a start to become an established thing and uh more on that when i get onto my mixed games news yeah good yeah well why don't you uh roll us right into that Okay, well, the the main thing that I'm uh, going to talk about is, I think I've touched on this before on earlier editions of the podcast. From the 11th of January, I'm hoping that from then every Thursday at Portomasso Casino, there's going to be a mixed games cash game. Um, this will start with a fixed rotation of games. Quickly quickly list all the games that will eventually be on there. Some of these won't be on there from the beginning because the casino needs to apply for its license to run some of these games. But um, before that, they continue to write the procedures. There's quite a, 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 lot, a lengthy process to do that. But uh, the, the full list eventually will be PLO, Fixed limit stood eight eta better, stood high low eta better, um due to seven triple draw low ball, pot limit sweet and special, fixed limit seven card stud, fixed limit badoogie, pot limit sweet and special forty nine, fixed limit raz, fixed limit badesi, fixed limit omaha high low eta better, fixed limit raz doogie, no limit due to seven single draw low ball, pot limit hoshevel high low eta better. Fixed limit Archie, pot limit Omajack, pot limit Studmaha, pot limit, sorry, fixed limit Badusi, pot limit Kershevel, fixed limit Archie 2.0, and pot limit Svitten 0. Um, from the 11th that will of January 2024, that will run with just 14 of those games, all the ones that are more well known, I would say, because the casino already has licenses to run those games. Um, but the last Thursday of each month will be slightly higher stakes and the uh, number of games on the, the higher stakes roster will, will, will reduce to 12. Uh, there'll be PLO, Stud High Low Eta Better, Triple Draw, Deuce to 7, Triple Draw Low Ball, Sweet and Special, Seven Card Stud, Badugi, Koshivel High Low Eta Better, Raz, Deuce to 7, Single Draw Low Ball, Fixed limit Omaha, high low, eight or better, and fixed limit Badusi. 
Um, the stakes for the lower games will be 4-8 in the uh, fixed limit games and 1-1 one, one in the pot limit games with the pot limit oh, and the no limit deuce of seven single draw Lobo as well. Those The big bet games will be capped at 100 big blinds. So that's 100 euros per person per hand. Uh, that's to keep the uh, fixed limit and pot limit games running at a similar size so that you don't lose your whole stack of, say, 2,000 euros playing a pot limit game and then immediately the game turns to a game which is fixed limit and you're not going to be able to win any more than just a fraction of back of what you've just lost. The bigger game on the last Thursday of the month is is roughly double the size of that game. And it's all aimed at trying to bring in people that are new to mixed games uh, to make it an enjoyable game that is sustainable. Nobody's going to lose all the bankroll in one horrible session. Um, and people who want to come back, people that have not played mixed games before can try try the games out without without risking their uh, the house. Um, and hopefully that'll be become an established game in in, in, uh, in hopefully in short order. Um, yeah, that's that's the that's the uh, mixed games news that I wanted to mention. I suppose in future episodes that'll be part of the uh, mixed games events section of this podcast. But for now, that's 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 an announcement I can make. I mean, I'm quite excited about, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully um, they get that all rolling and uh, it's successful and they can continue it. That that sounds wonderful. Yeah. It's going to be time-raked as well. So that's quite a concern for some of the people that have, have, have tried something like this before in, in the casinos around here. In the, for, for example, there was a Pot Limit Omaha High Low game that ran for not very long in Potomac Casino because split pots raked are uh, very quickly sort of just removing too much money from the table and uh, nobody wins anything and everybody goes home and doesn't come back. <laughs> but uh, time rake should hopefully make it, um, well, make it more likely that, that a player can walk away a winner. I think that's good. There's a, I think, I don't know. I think I prefer the time rake. I don't like money being taken out of the pot. I mean, I hate the rake too, of course, right? I hate yeah. money being taken off the table, period. Indeed. But I know at uh, Parks Casino in Ben Salem, uh, just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, their study uh, Omaha Eight or Better um, cash game is time raked. So it, it's nice. No money's coming out, out of every pot. But then when that 30 minute time <laughs> when the dealer change comes up and you have to pay. Yeah. I'm always like, Oh <laughs> yeah, it is a shame, but yeah, if, if there's, if there's no, no rig, there's no casino basically. So exactly. we have to, yes. we have to swallow yeah. that, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I find it okay. So yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully that works out. All right. Let me go over some mixed game events here on in the U S so cat mixed cash games, uh, Mohegan. So there are some new ones. So stay tuned. Mohegan Sun, Connecticut, has an 8-16-08 study cash game rotation that runs. I also saw a low-stakes crazy pineapple game um, that ran at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut. Foxwoods in Connecticut, as well as Borgata in Atlantic City, have seven-card stud cash games. Uh, Foxwoods in Connecticut actually has a much better selection. They usually have a variety of uh, stakes 
running and Borgata Atlantic City, their low stakes seven card stud game doesn't hardly seem to get going anymore. There is a list, but it doesn't seem to run. Um, but there is a regularly scheduled seven card stud 2040 cash game at the Borgata Atlantic City that runs uh, pretty much every weekend. Uh, sort of moving across the country here. Uh, Talking Stick in Arizona has a 2040 mix and a 4080 mix cash game. Also in Arizona, Lone Butte Poker Room in Chandler has a 612 mixed cash game. I saw that running over the holidays. Uh, keep an eye out. I'm hoping that that keeps that it wasn't just for the holidays. Um, a lot of the poker rooms are definitely busier over the holidays, have more games running. But I did see that one in Lone Butte, uh, a 612 mixed cash game running, and hopefully they keep that going. Moving further across the country, Resorts World in Las Vegas has a 4-8 and 8-16 mixed cash game that runs regularly. And also in Las Vegas, the Orleans Casino has a 4-8 and an 8-16. Omaha 8 um, are better game that runs fairly regularly. Uh, the South Point Casino also in Las Vegas has a 4-8 Omaha 8 or better and an 8-16 stud, uh, seven-card stud cash games that run uh, fairly regularly the win also in las vegas we're stuck in las vegas here for a lot of games um because there's a lot lot that goes on they have a uh, looking at higher stakes a 48 mixed cash that runs and i've seen uh, a 612 mixed cash game at the aria casino in las vegas that runs and i believe i, I did see a much higher mixed cash game run at one of the casinos in Las Vegas over the holidays, but I, I think it was Aria, but um, I'm not sure. And speaking of higher stakes cash, mixed cash games, I did see coming back to the East Coast, I did see a 1,000, 2,000 mixed cash game running at Parks Casino uh, that I mentioned earlier is in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. So I imagine Dan Zaka, he plays occasionally, for those who know him at the parks is, you know, I got to believe he was there and had some other pros, semi pros. Um, the fact that they got that 1000, 2000 game running sort of out of my, out of my realm, but uh, it, it ran over the holidays and uh, I don't think it's something that's going to keep going, but uh, we'll keep our eyes out. And if it is, I'll make sure to, uh, to mention that that's the cash games. Now, let me just, uh, there's, let me go through the couple of tournaments that are going on. I'll start in Vegas and move back to the East coast. So the Orleans in Las Vegas has a daily mixed cash game that rotates on a weekly basis. And this is, this is a new schedule. So um, keep your antenna up, take a look. So what I'm going to go over, I do mention the Orleans has daily mixed uh, tournaments that go through, go through, but this is a new schedule. They've started. This is January first new schedule mondays a horse tournament 240 dollars buy-in with a 5k five thousand dollar guarantee wednesdays an 08 study 150 dollars buy-in with a four thousand dollar guarantee thursdays there's a triple draw mix 150 dollars buy-in with a four thousand dollar guarantee and that triple draw mix is ace to five Deuce to seven, as well as Badoogie, all triple draw games. 
And then Fridays, there is an Omaha 8 or better $240 buy-in with a $5,000 guarantee. So, you know, that's new. Hopefully they keep that going throughout the entire year, but um, obviously they will um, at their discretion make changes to that. And all of those tournaments start at 3.05 p.m. So it's each of those days, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, a different game, but each week they continue. So each Monday is the horse. Each Wednesday is the 08 study, et cetera. And now the last um, upcoming mixed game tournament that I have to mention is in my, it's a little, it's not quite my backyard, but I'm going to call it my backyard and I'm very excited for it. And it's the Borgata Winter Poker Open that actually started on January 2nd and runs through January 26th. Um, a ton of Hold'em uh, seniors event, which is awesome to hear. Um black chip bounties, et cetera, but those are all hold'em. There are a couple of mixed tournaments that I will mention here. And that is one is an 08 Omaha eight or better big O $500 buy-in on Monday, January 15th at 3 PM. There is a hose tournament. So <laughs> horse without the Raz um, tournament. So limit hold'em uh, Omaha eight or better seven card stud and then stud eight or better. And that is a $500 buy-in on Tuesday, January 16th. <laughs> and then finally, there is a PLO championship, $1,100 buy-in with a $100,000 guarantee on Wednesday, January 17th at 4 PM. Not sure I'm going to make the host tournament off the sea, but I, uh, I do have plans to enter the seniors tournament and that's hold them. I know, but it's seniors tournament. I have never played. It will be my first mm -hmm. um, seniors entry ever. So looking forward to uh, that. So that was a bit of a mouthful. Um, Martin, why don't you uh, turn us over to the European side? The Kings of Tallinn will run from the 23rd of February to March the 3rd. That'll include a number of tournaments that'll be in interesting to mixed games players as well as cash games. The tournaments will include Open Face Chinese Pineapple, which is €150 Euro buy-in. There's uh, several PLO tournaments. There's this written tournament, which which actually they call Five Card Draw and Omaha. Um there's also eight game and horse buy-ins. There's one of the Omaha tournaments is one thousand one hundred euros, but most of them are between sort of two fifty and five fifty. And as I say, that open face Chinese tournament that's only one fifty. Following that, in March, there's the EPLOP European Pot Limit Omaha Championship Festival in Sofia, which includes. Well, so that runs from March the 13th to the 17th, and that includes a number of events all based around PLO. There's the PLO main event. There are side events, including five-card, four-card PLO, and Kosciuszko high and high-low, and PLO high-low. That's one event. Um, another one is just pure Kosciuszko. Another one is just four- and five-card PLO. And there's a there's an Omaha High Low side event. The buy-ins are all 150 to 300 euros for that festival. I remember last year I was talking about a, a cruise in September 
an Italian company running the cruise, which had a number of mixed games tournaments during that cruise. Well, there's one coming up from the 22nd of April to the 2nd of May from the same company. I don't have details of the tournaments that are going to be featured on that cruise, but the uh, company is ETOP, ETOP. Uh, so if you want to Google that, if you're interested in going on that, I, I, the, the the flyer that I've seen lists Omaha, Omaha High Low, Svitten, Horse and Stud as uh, various that they'll cover. But I don't know what the buy-ins will be. Um, at the same time, actually, 22nd to the 29th of April, there's the Malta Poker Festival, which will include a horse tournament and a crazy pineapple tournament and a PLO tournament. And just mark the dates for the festival series. They're running in Rosvedoff from the 31st of May to the 9th of June 2024, in Malta from the 8th of September to the 15th of September 2024, and in Bratislava from the 18th to the 24th of November 2024. They had hoped to have a festival also in the first quarter, but the casino that, was, that they were working with well, they had to pull out, I think, for some reason. And uh, although they tried to find another venue, that one didn't work out either. So, yeah, three stops for the festival series this year. And the festival series, I've talked about it previously on podcasts, has a fantastic range of games that are available to play for mixed games players. And the cash game action is always very special as well at the festival series. So those just mark the dates at the moment, but... Uh, as, as, as information becomes available on later episodes of this podcast, I'll give details that uh, that, I, that I get. As far as that ETOPS, I know, you know, it's early and there's not a lot posted yet, but uh, if I re recall um, last year, wow, we're saying last year already, uh, yeah. <laughs> it sold out pretty quickly um, from, from what yes, I understand. Yes, it did. It did. I don't know how sales are going for this one so far. As I said, I've not even seen a schedule for the tournaments yet, but it's running from 22nd of April to the 2nd of May. The cruise is going via... The last one went in the direction from Italy to Greece. This one's going from Italy to Spain, Portugal, that, that sort of... Uh, so going west of Italy rather than east of Italy. Um, so people that have been on the last cruise might want to go on this one to see some different ports, uh, different sites experience some different things it's, it, it was quite quite exciting great let's get on about our recent mixed game play so I, I have a little bit here a little more than usual uh you know there's some time over the holidays to play and i'm uh go over some of that and then uh, <laughs> a little something to, to to raz martin about as we, as i talk about <laughs> this so stay tuned here um i played a an eight game tournament on poker stars and as those of you who listen know, I, I really love playing eight game. That doesn't mean I'm great at it, but I, I enjoy it very much. I did manage a second place out of 20 entrants for a cash. So I was excited about that. <clears throat> um, on SWC poker, I played weird enough two things simultaneously, which I, I, I don't like doing. Um, but there was a reason it just kind of just kind of happened this way. But there was a a draw maha or a Svitten special free roll. And um, you can listen to episode 21 for draw maha Svitten special. And uh, again, it was a free roll, but I there were 50 entrants. 
Um, and I placed 10th out of 50, which wasn't quite good enough for a cash. I think they it paid seven. Um, so I was three places from a cash, but I've, I've only played this game, uh, you know, a couple few times, but I, I, I do <laughs> really, really enjoy it. I know it's Martin's, um, this is Martin's game. Um, but I, I enjoy the game. I like the dynamics of, of the, the combo game that are in that one. And, uh, it, it just, it keeps my mind really, I really have to continue to pay attention. Um, and, and that's what I like about mixed games, having to not fall asleep in the middle of a hand, so to speak. So, but I, I so 10th place out of 50, not too shabby. Um, I also played a horse mixed cash game on SWC poker, where I sat with Martin at a table for, for a short while. Do you, if you remember that one, Martin? I do. Yes. Enjoyed that. Yes. Yes. Very, very enjoyable to see Martin and more than two people, um at a game i, I think at some point one point we might have had uh four four or so of us um play, we did, playing that we did. Yeah. so it was nice to see some other some other participants join us and then i uh did play mixed in a number of no limit hold'em cash games and casinos at uh, wind creek in bethlehem and at the borgata in atlantic city and i am pleased to say you know, over the holidays, which again, mostly the end of 2023, but coming right up into 2024, overall winning, um, given all those games there. And uh, here comes the Martin Raz, and not the game Raz. Last year, Martin started out the year saying he wanted to win as many different mixed game events as he could. And he started out extremely strong, Martin, right? I mean, you and, and not that you didn't finish strong, <laughs> but... You, you you kept that promise up like like I was very surprised at how well you kept that promise up of winning some uh, mixed mixed tournament games in a, in a bunch of different variants. So gonna ride that wave and say coming into 2024 that I'm gonna be more successful than I've been in poker in general and especially with on the mixed game sides. So I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. Martin did it last <laughs> year and I'm uh, going to ride his coattails, ride his wave and say, based on the very end of 2023 here on my uh, success, that I'm going to roll that into 2024. I hope you do exactly what you want to do with that. That's, that sounds like a, a good challenge you set yourself. So uh, tell us about your, uh, what you might, I know you had a lot of, a lot of family obligations over the holidays as most of us uh -huh. have done, but uh, why don't you go over any mixed games that you got to play? Yeah, I've played a bit. It's been a few weeks since we recorded the last podcast. I actually did play a Hold'em tournament myself, which was a charity tournament that that runs annually in Malta. And I, I actually had a, part, a duty as part of the, um, one of the organisers asked me to do the, um, raffles at the end of every level there was there were prizes raffled off so i was the person on the microphone choosing the person choosing the people to pull out the raffle tickets and announcing the winners uh there were like 35 different raffle prizes about seven of which were quite good prizes in terms of uh being tickets to events that are coming up in 2024 for them to play in malta and then there were a lot of other things like that have been donated by very generous individuals and companies like, uh, well, my wife actually played and she won one of the raffle prizes, which she got some, uh, some poker uh, branded wear, you know, clothing, uh, a top and a, and a hat and also a card protector. 
I didn't cash in that tournament, but shout out to Anne. She, my wife, she came seventh. She she made it, put in a good showing and she made it a profitable event for the household. Also, shout out to local player Andrew Kutayar. There's a prize given, a trophy given every year at that charity event for the person that has the most rebuys. Because half of the rebuy money, half of the money for each entry goes to the charity. And Andrew Kutayar made over 30 rebuys at 30 euros a time. That takes some doing. Anyway, away from two-card games and charitable endeavours, uh, I've played in a couple of home games. One was a local PLO game in my village. I made a decent profit in that, just over 200 big blinds. And uh, I played in uh, the, the usual mixed games, cash game more recently. And... Made a decent profit in that one, which was more like 450 big blinds profit. Uh, we played plenty of Matrix in that game. It was a really enjoyable game. I'm actually cutting down a lot on uh, tournaments now. I've, I've, I did my challenge last year, but I've never been much. I'm not much of a tournament player, really. And I've done a blog post, actually, which I think came out on the same day that we're recording this podcast, which summarises the tournaments that I won over the course of the year. So I'd like the direct listeners to look at that if they want to read more about how I did over the course of the year. I think that's about it, Sean. Yeah, sounds like you've had a uh, a wonderful holiday uh, family-wise as well as card-wise, and that's great to hear that your your wife... uh, Yeah. So did you... I just said about razzing you, and uh, so does your does your <laughs> wife razz you about uh, placing higher than you in the tournament? Not so much my wife, but some of my friends. <laughs> some of my friends that but don't don't let me forget the the fact that she did so well and I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like you're you're doing well though. Uh, still, uh, just maybe not so, not as well as her in that one tournament but it sounds like you're doing well so we're gonna hopefully we can ride into both of us can ride into 2024 with some success i have some catching up to do um with you from 2023 for sure you, you did quite well in uh winning a number of uh tournaments in those variants and like like you i'm more of a cash game player and i think i need to uh just seek out some more mixed cash games and uh stick to what i what i'm what I know it's just, there's not a lot of mixed cash games in the area. So when it's, when tournaments come around, I definitely stick my, stick my toes in there. Yeah. Good. Actually, two more things I want to mention. One is I've just had a quick look at the uh, blog post that came out today. 31 tournament wins last year in, in 13 different poker variants. So I was quite pleased with that, but also they're all outright wins, no deals involved. But also in my recent play, I also played the Switzerland Special Tournament that runs on Tuesday nights in Portomasso Casino in Malta. And on both occasions, chopped the money with friends at the end. And nobody's knocked me out of either of those tournaments. So that's another quite a proud record. Yeah, as I say, I'm not, not, I'm not going to play tournaments generally, but... I can't resist playing that one. It's, you know, uh, just a fun game. And it's, as, as you said, my favorite game. Um, and I'll play it as often as I can, actually. <laughs> yeah. So did you say 31 <laughs> wins over 13 different games? Yes, that's right. Congrats on that. And we're going to end on that note because that's another transposition of episode 42 to start off 2024. <laughs> 
<laughs> very good, very good. If you want to learn more about mixed games, Martin and I have each written a book. Head over to Amazon for my book, Poker, All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 mixed poker games, as well as other chapters on why mixed games provide a better edge than hold them and other things like health and wellness, um, which are important not only in life, but also in playing this game of poker. Martin, why don't you tell us about your ebook? Yeah, my ebook is called Pot Limits Vitan Special. It's also available on Amazon. It's about one specific game. It's a European version of Dromaha. Uh, it takes you right through from the very basic how to deal and play the game, what the rules are, through the starting hands, every different type of starting hand, all the odds for completing your hands, both the draw hand and the Omaha hand. It takes you through the pre-flop, flop, draw, turn and river stages. It also gives you a quiz section near the end, which can uh, question you your uh, awareness of how well you've learned how to play the different betting rounds and how to decide which cards to draw. And then there's a, there's a section at the very end which goes through a few other variations of Switten Special or Dromaha that I have played at, at that point when I'd written the book. And I'm also working on the hard copy. No ETA on that at the moment, but uh, that is in a work in progress. You can follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R all the games it's poker at poker all the games but there's no e in poker because it's too many letters for twitter or subs and or subscribe at pokerchannel.substack.com and when you see our um on twitter we post these uh episodes and or if you go to uh, substack and subscribe there uh hit the like button for us send a subscribe um, to pokerchannel.substack.com. And you can also follow Martin at... Go ahead, Martin. Okay, my handle is on both Twitter and Substack is Poker for Leisure or Poker for Leisure. P-O-K-E-R, the number four, L-E-I-S-U-R-E. So on Twitter, it's poker for, at Poker for Leisure. And on Substack, it's pokerforleisure.substack.com. Well, that's all for episode 42, Matrix. Join us again in three weeks for episode 43, where we will teach you how to play Anaconda. From Martin and I, wishing everyone a safe, healthy, happy, and prosperous new year. Thank you for listening to Poker All the Games. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker, All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. <laughs>